Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, provides us with a picture of a race to describe the Christian life or the walk of faith that we're all, uh, as Christians, supposed to walk. And I think it's fitting that we have heard from the Olympians. We think of uh, some of the Olympic races that take place and throughout the Olympic Games, and we've congratulated graduates on completion of part, a big, major part of the race of their life up to this point. Many of those will be starting another race soon, but one is over, and they have done well. They've reached the goal uh, that they were working toward. And so I think it's fitting that we look at a race, and it's a race that all who are in Christ are part of and are to run in and, and to run faithfully. And in this race, the Christian race, the overall challenge to every single participant is to run well. Not to run perfectly, that's impossible, no one's going to be able to do that, but the challenge is to run well. I want to have you look at this with me. This is an incredible passage of Scripture. You know, all of God's Word is great, of course, but there, there are certain passages throughout God's Word that really just stand out and are just absolutely just astounding, magnificent, awesome. And this is one of them. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, it's one of the most magnificent passages in the entire Bible. And so I would really love to have you look at that with me as we go through these verses. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. And Hebrews 12, 1 says this. Therefore, and anytime we see that word, we have to stop and ask, what is it pointing to? What is therefore Therefore, and this word, therefore, as it starts this new chapter, it points back to what was said in chapter 11. Chapter 11, uh, we call very often the hall of faith. You think of uh, a hall of fame for, for football, for basketball, for all kinds of different achievements. Well, there's a hall of faith in God's Word, and it's in Hebrews 11. And the author there just outlines and draws attention to so many of the Old Testament saints that came before that lived a life of faith and godliness and that ran their race well. So that's what's pointing back. And so continuing on, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and that's those that are mentioned in that hall of faith, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Daniel, uh, David, all others, all kinds. It, it's a great chapter to read and just go through line by line and see who's mentioned and then kind of look deeper at their life. It'd be a great study to do sometime if you haven't. But that's what he's talking about. That's the great cloud of witnesses, all those people that are part of this hall of faith in chapter 11. So he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and a great cloud it is, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So there was a race set before all those people that came before. All those great heroes of faith. There was a race set before them. They ran it and they ran it well. The author of Hebrews is saying, to those that he's, uh, he's writing to immediately, but by extension to all of us, we have a race set before us as well. 
So as they ran with endurance, as they laid aside every weight and sin that that clung so closely to them, let's follow in their footsteps. Let's follow in their example. Let's us also run with endurance the race that is set before us. And the first thing from from verse 1 that I want to focus on with you is this. The Christian race was never meant to be a solo event. The Christian race was never meant to be a solo event. We run well by running together. And in the footsteps of those countless runners that ran before us, we need to follow in their footsteps as well. So the Christian race, it's never meant to be something that I do by myself and you do by yourself. It's not meant to be that way. We're meant to lock arms and run together the race that is set before us together, and also to go in the footsteps of all those that went before us, uh, as we saw here in the first part of verse 1, and looks back to Hebrews 11. It's like the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1. He said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So my question to you today is, whose example are you following? Whose footsteps are you running in? If you're not following someone else's example right now in your life, you need to find someone that you can follow. You need to find someone that's following Christ, that's imitating Christ in their life, and then you need to determine you're going to imitate them, not because they are are just so great in themselves, it's because they're following the greatest example of Christ. So find someone that is, is following Christ and you follow them. There's a thing that that runners do, really good runners, they know to do this. It's called drafting. They get behind a runner that's in front of them, that's running at a good pace, and they let them set their pace. They run with them and kind of let them carry them in a way through the the steps and the stretches of of the race that's before them. So find a pace setter. Find a pace setter that is keeping in step with the Spirit, that's running hard after Christ, And then you follow them. That's what we all need to do. But we also need to make sure we're running together. I mean, let's face it. This life, this race that we're in, it's not easy by any stretch of the imagination. It's full of hurdles. It's full of obstacles. It can get weary. The elements of the world are against us. Just like if you were to to run in a blizzard like a crazy person does. You know, but there are, are those that are that committed. Um, we live off of Maxwell Hill, and there's this one guy. It doesn't matter what time of year it is. It could be 20 degrees, 10 degrees, or 100 degrees. He's out there running, and every time I run in my car past him, I'm thinking to myself, that is a crazy person right there. But he wouldn't say he's crazy. He'd say, no, I'm dedicated. I'm committed, Right? doesn't matter what the elements are, I'm going to keep running. And in this life and in this race that we're running, the elements come against us. There's things in the road that trip us up. We get discouraged. We get weary ourselves. We need each other. When one of us falls down, if we're running together, that person next to you can pick you up, dust you off, motivate you, encourage you to keep going, and then you can do the same for them because they're going to need that too. So we run well by running together. That's really, really important to take note of here in this first part of the verse. 
that's another reason why we see we and, and us. It's mentioned so many different times. We are, are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. Let us also lay aside every weight. Let us run with endurance. That is the race that is set before us. There's not a, a lot of you. It's not singular here. There's a lot of emphasis on the fact that we are to run together. The second thing that I want you to see from verse 1 here, just this first verse still, is that in a regular race, a real you know, race like a marathon or a sprint or any of that, uh, lighter is faster. Lighter is faster. Lighter is better. You want to get as light as you can on your person to run well. And the lighter racer is a faster racer. It's the same with the Christian race. We run well, which is what we're all called to do, run well. We run well by ridding ourselves of the burden and the stickiness of sin. We see that here in in the second part of verse 1. The author here says, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And man, sin clings closely, doesn't it? I mean, our sin, it, it's, just, it's just so sticky. It's like you're stuck in the mud when you're trying to walk through sin, when you're trying to walk the Christian walk or run the Christian race, and you're trying to do that with sin hanging on you. I mean, you, you might as well have weights all around your ankles, and you, you just can't really move like you need to. You're not free in your movement. Sin is heavy, and sin is sticky. And so what we need to do is continually rid ourselves, lay aside from us that burden and that stickiness of sin that we're not meant to carry. And then we can't run well with that hanging all over us. The good news is Jesus has already made it possible to do exactly that. Jesus has already made it possible for all of us to run light and to run free. And he did that by lifting the weight and the burden of our sin from us and then carrying it for us all the way to the cross. That's what he did for each and every one of us. He didn't have to, but he did. He took our sin, the weight of that from us, and he put it on his own shoulders. And as he carried the weight of the cross on that cross and to that cross, he carried all of our sin from us and for us. The problem is, it's not that he didn't do a good enough job. It's not that he wasn't sufficient. It's not that his work on the cross wasn't enough. It was. It was all sufficient for all of eternity. The problem is, we keep taking it back. We keep taking it back. We keep taking the sin that he took from us and took to the cross. We keep taking it back. We choose to give in to it. We choose to indulge our sinful nature and our sinful desires. We choose to give ourselves over to sin instead of giving ourselves over to Him. We make that choice, unfortunately, all through our lives in a lot of different ways. And that means then that this laying aside of the weight and this this clinginess or stickiness of sin, it's a constant need and it's a continual process because we are constantly running back to our sin, unfortunately. I wish it wasn't that way, but it is. And you know what I'm talking about, right? Aren't you tired of that endless cycle where you know you're not supposed to choose sin and yet you choose it anyway? See, as long as we're in this skin, we're prone to sin. 
That's how it's going to be until we are given a new body in the new creation, until we close our eyes to this life and open them in the next, we're going to struggle with sin. We're going to struggle by constantly wanting to come back to it and, and finding it comfortable instead of finding it horrible like we should. We get used to our sin to the point where we convince ourselves that we need it somehow, that we're not complete unless we have it as part of us. That, of course, is a lie, but it's what we convince ourselves of all the time. And so this laying aside of the weight and the stickiness or clinginess of sin, it's not a one-and-done type thing. It's not that we do this once and that's all we ever have to worry about. I wish it was that way. I wish that all we had to do was make that one decision. Oh, we're going to get rid of sin, and then it's it's done, and, and it's out of our lives and off of us. That'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? That's not the way it works. It's a constant, constant need and a continual process. It's grueling, but it's what we need to do. I'm curious, has anyone here done a full marathon? Anybody ever run a full marathon? Really? It's 26 miles. You sure? Sure you did it? Okay, he's done it because he he said it's 26.2 miles. So you know somebody's done it when they when they have that down. And of course it would be Cormie. He probably did it when he was 85. I mean, you know, he's, he's 94. Could have been last week for all I know. No. Full marathon, 26.2 miles. Thank you, brother, for, for that clarification. I never have done a full marathon. I've never done a half marathon. I have no desire to do either. I don't have any plans to at all, to do a marathon, um, unless, unless someone wants to pay for me to go run in the Honolulu Marathon. If someone wants to pay my way to go and sign up for that, I will gladly do it. I'll start training tomorrow, all right, checks, cash, what's the, Zell? is that, you know, I'll, I'll accept all that. Um, this marathon, it's December 10th and 11th, 2022, so it's, it's a little ways away, Um, there's no time limit. That's my kind of marathon. No time limit. You just run with what it says is the aloha spirit. I don't know what that means. I'd love to find out. Love to find out what the aloha spirit is. I mean, you're running all around Honolulu. You get to, or walking. There's no time limit. And you just get to take in the sights, smell the salt air and the, the fragrance of the sea. Oh, man, that would be great. That's my kind of marathon. But, you know, I've never run a marathon. I know there's a lot of training that goes into it. There's a lot of endurance that's necessary. It's a process. It's not something that happens fast. It's not like you start running and it's over before you know it. I mean, it goes on and on for 26.2 miles, right? And that leads me to the third thing to not miss from this first verse. We're still in just in Hebrews 12.1. And there's the third thing that I don't want you to miss from this first verse, and that's this. The Christian race that we're talking about here today, and that we've already been talking about with a couple things to focus in on on this first verse, the Christian race is a marathon, not a sprint. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Look at the end of verse 1. The writer says, let us run with endurance, with endurance, the race that is set before us. It's a process. 
It requires patience. It requires perseverance. Mile after mile after mile, you've got to keep going. You've got to, you've got to find your wind. You've got to set your pace. You've got to keep going. And the rhythm, it's not over fast. And there's going to be a lot of things that come your way that tempt you to, to stop running, to, to give up, and just to get off the course. But if you really want to run well, you've got to run with endurance. You've got to run with patience and with perseverance. And what that means for us who are in Christ and running this marathon, this Christian marathon, we've got to remember, we've got to keep this in mind that our race has to be run until we hear, well done. Our race has to be run until we hear, well done. And we're not going to hear that until we are actually in heaven. On this side of eternity, this side of heaven, we're, we're not, we're not going to hear that final well done. I mean, we might hear well done along the way, but we're not going to hear that final and most important of statements, well done, when we hear it by our Lord and Savior. What a day that will be when we actually are done running the race in this life, on this earth, we cross the finish line, and there waiting for us is our Savior who ran before us, and we hear from Him, well done, well done. That's what I want to hear. What about you? You want to hear well done from the one who called you to Himself, called you to run in this race, We're going to hear that one day we're in Christ by the power of His Spirit that He's given us as we run faithfully, as we run with endurance, but not yet. Not yet. If you're still breathing, you're still meant to run. And we need to run with endurance. So, with all that in mind and all that said, the question is, how do we do all that? (laughs) Right? How How do we do that? How do we keep running together? How do we keep shedding that weight and stickiness of sin? How do we keep running with endurance? What should our strategy be in order to keep running well? Those are the questions we need to ask. And in answer, there's some very practical application in the next two verses, verses 2 and 3. So look at that with me. Hebrews 12, starting in verse 2, for the practical application of what we looked at in verse 1. The how do we do it? Verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter. Aren't those good titles? Aren't those amazing? That's what Jesus is. He's the founder and the perfecter of our faith. He's the one who, who gave us our faith. He's the object of our faith. And He's the one who drew us to Himself and by the Spirit gave us the faith we needed to believe in Him and to receive Him as our Lord and Savior. But He's not just the founder or the establisher of our faith. He's the perfecter. He's the one that makes our faith and us perfect by His perfect work in us. So when you come to Him for salvation, that's just the start. That's, it's not over. That's the start of the process of being made more like Him as He perfects us. So we look to Jesus. I mean, right there's your answer. How do we do this? How do we run well? Look to Jesus, who is the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. 
I don't think that the cross would be very joyful. I don't think that would be a joyful experience. That's not how I would describe it, would you? All that he went through on the cross. And yet, this says that it was the joy that was set before him that allowed him to endure the cross. It doesn't say that the cross itself was a joyful experience, but rather the joy that came to Jesus knowing what he was accomplishing that helped him endure the grueling, unimaginable difficulty that the race of the cross was. That's what was set before him. The race Jesus ran ultimately was the cross. And he was able to endure and he was able to go through that for joy that was set before him. Joy that was at the finish line, if you will. Knowing what he would accomplish. And what would he accomplish? It was our salvation. It was our life. It was It was the faith that we would need to be saved. He was accomplishing all of that for us on the cross. It was bringing us back to Him. That's what He was accomplishing. And so He saw that as joy. And it allowed Him to endure the cross, despising the shame, not focusing on the shame of the cross, looking past it to what He was accomplishing and redeeming. And it it goes on, it says that he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So he ran his race faithfully. He ran it well. He ran it perfectly. And as a result, he's seated. He's not running anymore. Mission accomplished. Work done. He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, where we also know from Hebrews that he is ever living to intercede for us. He's cheering us on, church. He's rooting for us as we run. He's interceding for us like we need Him to as we run our race here. Verse 3 says this. Still in line with what he started off verse 2 by saying, looking to Jesus, he says this. Verse 3, consider Him. So look to Jesus. And now we're supposed to consider Jesus. Look to Jesus Consider Jesus. Consider Him who endured from sinners such hostility against Himself. Hostility that we can't even wrap our minds around. So consider that. Consider the hostility that He endured. Why? So that, here's the reason we need to do that, we need to consider Him, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So as you run this race, as I run this race, Things are going to come at us, and circumstances are going to be such that we're going to grow weary. We, we are going to feel faint-hearted. And if we're not careful, we'll allow that to overcome us. But the way we resist that, the way we avoid growing weary to the point of stopping, the way we avoid being faint-hearted to the point of total exhaustion, to where we can't go forward at all, it's to consider Jesus Himself. Consider His example. Consider what He endured. Consider the way He ran. And follow in His footsteps. So the how we do this and the strategy we need to apply is that we keep looking to Jesus. We keep Him as the goal we're running toward. Don't run for yourself. Don't run for one another. Run with one another, but don't run for one another. Let Jesus be the goal you're running toward. Not your own personal fame. Not your own personal little kingdom. Jesus only. Let Him be the goal you're running toward. We need to keep doing that. We need to keep remembering what He made possible for us and how He did it. 
And we need to keep considering the way he ran his race. And by that I mean the way he lived, the way he loved, and the way he served. We, we look at those things. We see the way he did that. And then we apply that to our own race, our own life. How did he live? How did he run? We apply that to our own race and our own life. So church, what all this means in this marathon that we're running, in the marathon of the Christian life, Jesus is our best help. He's our constant hope. He's our ultimate goal. And His example should serve as our biggest motivation. And believing and remembering that, that will help us to keep running and to run well as we do. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the fact that we aren't alone in this race that You've called us to. We have one another and we need to run together. We need to run together in order to run well. Thank You for also leaving with us a great example of those who have gone before us. Not just saints from the Old Testament or saints from the New Testament time period. Not just those that we read about in Your Word. Thank You for those even in our own lives that lived a life of surrender to Your Son Jesus. Who lived a godly, faith-filled life. Who ran their race well. And then You called home and we are able to think back of their example in our life. We have mothers and fathers and grandparents and aunts and uncles that, that knew You and knew You well and ran for You. And we have their example very closely tied to our own lives. So thank You that we don't just run together with those who are around us right now, but, but we are able to run in the footsteps of the faithful who have gone on before us. Help us to do that. Help us to like they did, to determine constantly to lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily clings to us. Help us, by the power of Your Spirit, to run with endurance, to run this marathon with perseverance. And help us in all of this to look to Jesus, the founder, the author, and the perfecter of our faith. Thank You for His example, the ultimate example of one who ran well. Thank You for all that He accomplished for us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.